0: hey there welcome to the city rev life podcast my name is pastor justin i'm here with pastor roby and we're so glad that you've joined us today we're talking about relationships
1: yes and the series has already been named i just found this out like i didn't i was not consulted on what happens when
0: you enter in part three in our series
1: i've I've learned my lesson so
0: we're, we're calling this fall
1: in love you see it's because they're this you is know, releasing happens. it in the fall. Yes, Do you see right. that? It's a pun. It doesn't feel like fall. I what is fall? typically, <laughs> there's no fall in South Florida. Oh, I man. typically veto all series titles that involve a pun, but this one got away from us. So yeah. it is the fall in love series. And yeah. I'm glad, I'm just glad to be part of it. Thank you. And yeah. for part three.
0: Yes. So we talked about marriage in two parts the first two weeks, and now we're jumping into the conversation, addressing a different topic. So uh, Roby, why don't you just set it up a little bit?
1: Yeah. So as we're talking about um, marriage, whether it's those, maybe you're, you're watching or listening and you're married, or you are someone that wants to get married, wants to start preparing for that relationship. One of those key factors that is deeply spiritual, but it is very deeply relational and plays out Mm -hmm. very practical is the issue of shame. And so really where whoever you are, whatever your past is, whatever you, um, whatever you've experienced in your life, this is one of those things. It's part of the human experience. Every one of us deals with this issue of shame. And if the idea of marriage is two becoming one, then we're We are becoming known by someone else. And so we have to zero in on this issue of shame. So, again, maybe you've been married 40 years. Maybe you've been, uh, maybe you will get married a few years from now and you're single, but you want to prepare for that this is one of those issues that we really, really want to talk about.
0: Yeah. And so to do that, to introduce that topic, we're actually going to pick up in some ways where we left off in Scripture uh, in the book of Genesis in a moment. Um, But I think we're going to hit on it from a thematic uh, point of view and really look at a couple of passages of Scripture zoning in on one theme. So what is that theme that we're going to be exploring?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of an unexpected theme that goes all the way through Scripture, and it's that of clothing. And if you think about the function of clothes in our life, in our lives, clothes are, it's something that reflects our identity. So mm-hmm. if you wear clothes, you you reflect kind of your style, you reflect your personality, maybe you reflect your your association. If you wear a jersey, you're reflecting something oh. that you're a fan of. Um, you've had that in yeah. your life.
0: I think we've all had the phase, like experience yeah. with clothing, or you had a clothing phase, a style phase, depending on the crew and the crowd you're around. Exactly. I went through a shoe phase where I was really big about shoes. Um, I went through a phase where, Uh, I got in with, like, the skateboarder surfer crowd. That's right. So I had to buy brands that matched that type of identity. And uh, now I spend a lot less time thinking about those things.
1: Any any other phases that we should know about? I mean, don't just stop there. Any other phases Uh, phases that we need to... I
0: I mean, I I went through a hip-hop phase, uh, and I I tried to relate and blend in there.
1: I, for one, would like to see the hip hop Justin come back. So maybe for a future episode, I think as penance for naming this series Fall in Love, (laughs) you have to show up. We don't believe in penance. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to um, just show up as as hip hop Justin. Okay. Okay. All that to say is, um, yes, we do not believe in penance, but also uh, clothes is a theme all through scripture. And it starts right in Genesis uh, chapter two, where it says that Adam and Eve in describing them coming together, so this is, this is very deeply embedded in in marriage. They were naked and unashamed. The word used throughout uh, most of the Old Testament for intimacy, for sexual intimacy, mm-hmm. is the word to know. Yeah. Um, Adam later in, in uh, Genesis three, it says Adam knew his wife. They they knew each other. There is a a deep knowing of of each other in intimacy. Well it says that they were naked and unashamed. Well, by the end of Genesis 3, they um, are no longer naked and unashamed. They're actually naked and ashamed after they've sinned. And so then what do they do? Their reflex, their instinct is to cover themselves with fig leaves. That is the invention of clothing. Mm -hmm. So they are covering themselves with fig leaves. And after they receive the the mercy of God, and also the consequences for for their sin, they are then clothed by God with skins. And so um, there's a sacrifice that has to happen so that they don't die on that day. There's a sacrifice that happens, and then they're covered with skins. And so clothing happens in the beginning to cover shame, but then at the very end of the Bible, on the other end of Scripture, we find out that there's clothing, all the saints are clothed in white robes. And so there's clothing that uh, we will all be dressed in. And so um, you can go back and read those passages. That'd be Revelation 7, 9 through 14, Revelation 7, 9 through 14, if you want to check it out. But right in the middle is a passage I want to take a look at. It is Zechariah chapter 3, um, we're going to start in verse 1. If you uh, are out of space, if you're on the treadmill right now, you'll have to listen all along. If you have yeah. a space to pull up your Bible, Zechariah 3, verse 1. Beautiful passage. Here's what it says. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And what you have in here is is Joshua, who is the high priest at mm-hmm. the time, And then he's standing before the Lord and there is Satan who is there to accuse him. One of the fundamental identities of Satan is the accuser. You have the high priest. This is an actual person in Zechariah's day. The high priest standing before the Lord and he's being accused by Satan.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Yep. So he here, let's pick it up in verse two. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Mm-hmm. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Mm-hmm. Verses 2 and 3 are, uh, when you first read it, you're like, Wow, look, God comes to to the rescue of, of um Uh, of joshua the high priest he comes to the rescue hey how dare you rebuke joshua that he's been chosen he's been plucked out of judgment Mm -hmm. but then you realize what his clothing looks like his clothing is filthy and um as you know um, justin you know the clothing of the high priest there are whole chapters in uh,
0: dedicated to describing precisely how they're to dress themselves and how they're Their dress embodies their unique anointing from God to go and minister in his presence. And so for him to have filthy garments carries significance, not just for Joshua, but for all of God's people.
1: Yeah. And he would do, before he would serve, there would be like cleansing rituals he would do. It would be inappropriate. It'd be egregious for him to have filthy garments when he's serving. Filthy high priestly garments, but his garments are filthy. And so here's the the crazy part satan is accusing joshua mm. and his accusations are warranted yeah he's got filthy garments and yet god says how dare you and rebukes mm. the accuser so what's going to happen uh, let's pick it up in verses four and five uh, and the angel said to those who are standing before him remove the filthy garments from him And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure Mm. vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. Um, I think part of this is, uh, part of what's so important here is the identity of the angel of the Lord. Maybe you can speak a little bit to that, uh, Justin.
0: Yeah. So times in which the angel of Yahweh specifically in in the Old Testament is often, there's this blurred line, is this an angel speaking or is it God speaking? I think of the story of Moses from the burning bush. There are times when we're told the angel of the Lord said and speaking out of the fire and then it says, and the Lord said. So there's this almost mysterious nature to the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord and it's our understanding when we see the angel of the Lord come up uh, in passages like this, and especially in a passage like Zechariah 3, where it's just screaming Jesus, the, the yeah. second person of the Trinity, that God himself uh, is is in the flesh, in Jesus. This is before Jesus comes to to the earth in the flesh. And so the angel of the Lord is, is Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So by the time we get to the New Testament, the word angel, we associate with a particular creature. Like a seraphim or a, cher- uh, a sh- seraph or a cherub, but in the Old Testament, that is a more neutral term that means messenger. Right. And so a lot of times it is uh, Jesus as as the messenger. And so here's the picture: Joshua, the high priest, who is an actual guy that Zechariah is having a vision by that mm. that generation's high priest. His name was Joshua. Mm. He's standing before the Lord. He's wearing filthy garments. And Satan is rightfully accusing him. Satan is doing what Satan does. He right. is a voice of accusation leveled against Joshua. The father says, how dare you accuse him? I have chosen him. And, um, and removes his filthy garments and puts on clean garments on him. And it says the angel of the Lord was standing by. Jesus was standing by. Now, what makes this just so powerful is the name of the high priest in that generation. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the beauty of the fact that the person's name who was the high priest is Joshua is so potent in here because the name uh, Joshua we translate from the Hebrew word Yeshua. We then translate the name Yeshua in the New Testament to Yesus I- and then out of Yesus from the Greek in the New Testament we translate the name into the name Jesus. In other words, the name Jesus is the same name as the name Joshua. Um, it's just yeah. going through another language. In other words, basically, as Mary would have heard it and Joseph would have heard it, you're going to be having a son and you shall call his name Yeshua.
0: Yeah, I think of the angel saying to Jesus' parents, you shall call, give him the name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins.
1: Right, and so they would have thought of, the, they would have thought the name Joshua, like how, how we would think of right. it. Um, Jesus carries the same name as the characters in the Bible that are called Joshua. So think of it differently. It just so happens at that time the high priest is named Yeshua, the name of our Savior. Yeshua is the name of the high priest. He's got filthy garments, but yet God has chosen him mm-hmm. and says, I've stripped him down of his filthy garments and put clean, cleansed garments And the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus, the true Yeshua, the true Yeshua. Is standing by yeah and the power of this is what does the true Yeshua the great high priest Mm. do for us he actually um, takes our filthy garments Mm -hmm. and he puts them on himself he takes all of our sin on himself and he puts on us his pure cleansed garments and so that the because of the work of the true Yeshua because of the work of Jesus on the cross there is no accusation that he can any longer level towards mm. someone who is uh, um found salvation in Jesus mm. so whatever it is in your life there is no sin that is stronger than the cross to believe in Jesus is to believe that you have been fully cleansed and washed clean to believe in Jesus means that your old self is dead and buried with jesus and you are now a you're born again you're a new creation his grace is new every morning you are completely washed clean and so i think what's so instructive for us is to think through the various things that we sometimes uh, hold on to in our life and that we often as we're going into marriage we often we're, we're ashamed of those things and we're still trying to hide them under the clothing of our life. Maybe it's the way we act, the way we dress, the cars we drive, the jobs we have, the whatever it is, we try and present ourselves one way and those serve as clothing to cover our shame. But we no longer need to do those things. We're washed clean by Jesus. And so maybe you could speak to that a little bit, Justin, some of the things that we have in our lives that often we, we hold, with shame because we don't realize that we're not really um, banking on and finding healing from the work that Jesus has done.
0: Yeah, I think that's why this clothing imagery is so powerful because it gives us a distinction and teaches us the difference between guilt and shame Mm. and the way that shame is more baked into our identity. It's something that we internalize. It's not just that um, I've, uh, I've done something bad, but that I am bad. It's, it's that I am filthy. And clothing gives us that way of, of imagining that filth being attached to us and defining us and communicating to the rest of the world. They see us by our filthy garments. That's the idea of shame. And Jesus, he, he's come to set us free from guilt and from shame from carrying that idea so i think some of the things that oftentimes that we get carried up in is um, there are some things from our past that maybe we've never truly um, confided or shared with anyone about for some of us it's stuff we've carried from childhood Um, things that maybe from when we were five years old ten years old that we still have memories of that we it's like this scary secret place in our heart that we try and never open up that door and make sure no one else ever sees. Sometimes it's things that have been to, done to us, and other times it's things we've done to others. Uh, there might be you know, something that happened in your life and in your college days, your college years, or uh, something that happened even recently, and it's not just, hey, I had this guilt over this, and if you're a believer in Jesus, you know, we've trusted in Christ and we're no longer condemned, we're set free, and that's true. But at the same time, even though positionally and, you know, in God's view, we're not condemned, at the same time, if we have not dealt with the shame and gotten honest and open and allowed, you know, Jesus, like a surgeon, to get in and cut deep and find the places in our hearts that are wounded— Um, there can be these, uh, these moments from our life that end up becoming like these filthy garments that we wear all around and they end up inhibiting our ability to experience love, to experience intimacy. And, uh, there's just a number of ways that this interacts. Uh, Do any others come to your mind specifics of, of ways that we internalize shame? No,
1: I think really well put. I think, um, you know, to all the things you mentioned more specifically, um, Maybe there are, um, I've talked to believers that have, have abuse in their past. They've been abused and they feel like they are, they're tarnished. They feel like they are, um, blemished and that that will always walk with them. But that's a lie. That's the accuser. Yeah. Jesus has washed you clean. Mm. There are people that I've talked to that, um, before they knew Jesus, they, they did a lot of things that they're not proud of. Um, maybe it was um, promiscuity or maybe an abortion or maybe things that they regret, and they carry that around as a scar, and they think that that will always be a blemish. Mm. That is a lie from the accuser. Hear the fury from the throne of God silencing your accuser and reminding you that you are clothed Mm. Maybe uh, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. The cross overcomes that. Some uh, believers have th- um, things in the, in the intimacy of their own heart. They, they experience same-sex attraction. There are things that they, that they feel that they don't know who to tell. They don't know how to talk through it. They don't know how to mm. process through it. And they feel like they'll be judged or f- shamed by it. But they, they, And because of those accusations, they can never feel the love of God. And so those are things that um, uh, Jesus, the the power of the cross, there is nothing in our lives that is more powerful Mm. than than the cross. And so I think what then this tells us is that as a Christian community, we're a place that can allow the light to shine into those dark recesses. And Mm. until we do that, if we're keeping those spaces Mm -hmm. hidden, then we can; it's going to inhibit us having full intimacy with a spouse one day. And so I think my encouragement would be as you're experiencing the uh, the freedom from shame is to find a safe, trusted place, a Christian brother or sister or a counselor yeah. or a pastor or a minister, someone that you can share this and get it into the light.
0: Yeah. I think that what shame simultaneously does, the two things that come to mind, shame will get you in this feedback loop in your head where, you know, you respond to someone who says the right things, who says the truth to you, like, Hey, you're new in Christ. This doesn't define you. The voice of shame says, no, but I really did this. Like I did that. That is what I did. That is who I am. And the beauty of this passage is Joshua really did have, right. You know, filthy garments. It was true. Like he really did have filthy garments and yet the Lord rebukes the accuser, that that isn't even grounds for him to be, you know, defined by those things. And then the second thing that shame does is it makes the medicine into the thing that's the scariest. And what I mean by that is when you're in a place of shame, the scariest thing is simultaneously the the doorway to experiencing freedom from it. And the scariest thing is letting anybody know Mm. or find out. And that is like the thing you defend at all costs. And the moment anybody even broaches a topic that gets even close to that shame, we go into defense mode, we put our shields up, and, it, and that is the path towards actually finding healing, is beginning to shine a light, to experience someone um, really embodying the grace of God and the love of God as you share from that deep place of shame. Um, Like you said, a trusted brother or sister in Christ, uh, a Christian counselor, a pastor, someone that you can uh, rely on, that there's trust there to share and open up about that. That's the path to freedom.
1: Yep. And I think this is why the gospel, what Jesus accomplished for us, is the foundation for a healthy marriage.
0: Yeah, and so hey, this conversation about shame—we pray that it helps you, as you consider your relationships, as you consider your marriage, uh, maybe your relationship with your parents or with your children. Uh, if there is something that, while listening to this, maybe God has placed on your heart, and you've even throughout this podcast tempted been tempted to like pause it and just kind of walk away because it's bringing that thought up. Let that be a cue that this might be something God, the Holy Spirit is inviting you to allow God to work his healing, his healing power in your life and to set you free from that shame. Those things do not define you. Uh, Well, we pray that this blesses you and uh, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this and we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.